We went into the throne room of God and we kind of seen a picture of Revelations 4. It talks about the throne room of God. That is one chapter in the whole book that if you ever want to read a chapter and can get an image of what God's throne, your daddy's throne looks like, it's Revelations chapter 4, okay? We find out also last week that Hebrews 4, 16 tells us that we can go where? Boldly to whose throne? We have access to the throne of God now through what Jesus did. So anytime we go through anything, anytime we're facing anything, any good thing we have that we want to take to the Father, amen, we get to step into the throne room by faith in Jesus and we get to talk to God Almighty. Now, friend, that is greater than any professor, any, anybody that's important, okay? You get to stand before God and you get to talk to God about your situation. And then you get to see God do something about your situation, amen? He literally gets involved in your life. He made access for us to go to the throne room. He gave us a chapter to read to where we could get an image of what His throne room is like. And He also told us, go to His throne room so we could obtain grace and mercy and find help in the time of need. How many of y'all need help sometimes? Yeah, everybody in this room, you need help in something. Don't never try to do school by yourself, do college by yourself, do your career by yourself. Get married by yourself, amen? Don't you dare have a kid without knowing some Jesus, amen? But I'm telling you, we got to have God in everything we do. And that's why we have, that's what's so good about Jesus. That's what Jesus did for us that a blood uh, from a bull and a goat could never do for us, amen? Back in the Old Testament, when they messed up, they had to bring an offering. It was a living animal, okay? And they would slay the animal and take the blood, and that would cover their family's sin for a year. But they never did get to go into the tabernacle. They didn't get to go behind the veil to talk to God. They had to do that to a priest. Everything had to go through a priest. Now we bypass everything. In Jesus, our high priest, we walk into the throne room of God and we're talking to God and we get results, baby. Come on, man. I mean, if you're talking to God, you don't have to have no, you know, uh, uh, whatever, sidetrack or anything. Like, hey, you get to talk to God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Just excited about Jesus. Hallelujah. He's good. But as we approached Revelations 4, we had actually just left Revelations 2 and 3, which talks about seven churches. Seven churches that were in that day when Paul, which wrote this, and he had this vision on the island of Patmos, okay? Jesus came to him and said, I want you to write a letter to these seven churches that existed in their day, okay? Some scholars, and I believe too, that these seven churches were real churches in that day, but they're also seven conditions of the church's heart that you can look at and kind of measure where you're at. But it's also referred to as seven ages, okay, church ages, all right? And if you take that, Ephesus was the first age, which makes sense because Timothy was the pastor there. Many scholars believe that Mary, the mother of Jesus, attended that church. Wow, the pressure, it's on to teach like Jesus. Come on. Timothy was feeling the heat, baby. Come on. And he did a good job. But as we fast forward, the last two churches in Revelation chapter 3 is the church at Philadelphia and it's the church of the Laodiceans. The church of the Laodiceans is kind of like the end of the age church. So is the church at Philadelphia. Okay? The church of Philadelphia is in revival. So we have some churches that are in revival in the world today. We have individuals in here that you're having revival. Did you know revival is not a destination or location? It's an attitude of the heart. You can have revival 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Amen? You can live in revival. I don't have to wait for somebody else to go, tonight is a revival night. 
We're having revival next week. Uh-uh, you have it next week. I'm going to have it today. Amen? Because I serve a right now God. Amen? So uh, the church of Philadelphia is in revival. Then we have the church of Laodicea, Laodiceans that are in compromise. They're lukewarm. They're not all in. They're a little cold, a little hot. Jesus said, really, they're really lukewarm. And I'm going to spew them out of my mouth. Two dispensations that are going on right now. And Jesus is talking to us and saying, I don't want you to be like the Laodiceans. I want you to be like Jesus. I mean, the Philadelphia church. So we go into chapter 4 and it's the throne room where Paul's caught up here. I believe and many other people believe that when we enter chapter 4, the church has now been raptured. Because it does not mention church no more until Revelations, I think, 21 or something like that, 20 or 21. So now getting ready to get into that, that, that judgment, that seven-year judgment. Okay, so we talked about last week his throne and about how it was beautiful. And we had the four living creatures, remember them, that had eyes all around. Amen. And had the head of an eagle, the head of a man, the head of a cow, and the head of a lion. I'm hanging out with the lion, okay? Hallelujah. But anyway, these creatures are there. And you're going to hear about them as we read, we read through the book of Revelations. But as we was leaving chapter 4 and going into chapter 5, I wanted to read because we was kind of out of time, and we may get out of time today. I'll just stop, come back, hit the start button, and we'll start back where we left off. But I think this is very important that I kind of go back to chapter 5, and we just read a few, few verses, and then we'll jump into to chapter 6. But in Revelation chapter 5, verse 1, it says, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. Thanks, Brandon. I know I didn't give you this. This is, we own, we own, just doing it off the cuff. The focus of chapter 4 was the throne room of God, but now the focus shifts to the scroll and especially to the one who is worthy to open the scroll. On the ancient scrolls, the writings was in a narrow column, about three inches long, on a substance not unlike brown paper. A scroll was held in the left hand and unrolled with the right hand, and as the reading went on, the previously read portion would be read, uh, re-rolled. What is the scroll? The scroll here is the title deed of the earth. The original title deed was given to Adam, but guess what Adam did? He gave that deed to the devil. So when Jesus came, he got all rights. He got all the power and authority back that Adam had lost. So we see right here that Jesus is getting ready to get the scroll. But before we get there, I wanted to read a few passages because John didn't know who was going to get it. And in verse 2 it says, Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Referring to there is no man ever that can save you, that can help you like Jesus can. And in this case right here, there is no man that can open the scroll or get the title deed of the earth to fix this mess we're in. Y'all know we're in a mess down here, right? Amen. You go home at night and you can go watch YouTube and every channel, I'm telling you, you can pull up every news channel and it's going to be negative, 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 negative. It's going to be gossip, backbite, whatever. Okay, this, this world is kind of falling apart. So John said, So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Chill out, brother. Don't weep. Don't weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. 
And in verse 6, I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And now when he, in verse 8, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp uh, and golden bowls full of the incense, which are the prayers of the saints. These are the prayers that we pray. They're in these bowls. They don't go unheard. He hears everything we do, okay? When we go to him in the name of Jesus, he hears your prayers. He will work on your behalf. But in this case right here, we see Jesus has got the scroll, and then we fast forward to chapter 6. Let's go to chapter 6. Hallelujah. That's where we're going to start today. The seven seals and Jesus begins to judge the earth. Now, friend, we're already in heaven. Okay, the church is already in heaven. And what I want you to know about these seven seals as I get ready to read these things, everything in the seven-year tribulation is in these seven seals. The seven trumpets, the seven bowls, everything is in these seals. That means we're getting ready to open these seals and they're just going to be the start of everything else. As he opens these seals and he begins to speak, this is the beginning of the seven years of tribulation. But you've got to realize something, guys. There's been millions of people lifted off the earth. So there's going to be a little turmoil. There's going to be a little confusion. There's going to be a little bit of panic. Because now mama and daddy, they ain't here. Grandma ain't here. Your co-worker may not be here. Amen? There could be some people in this room that are still here. God forbid that happen. But the good news is, God ain't finished. So all those that are left behind, I'm telling you, friend, God is still casting out the lifesaver to try to get people, okay? And I'll get into that in just a minute. But in verse 1, Jesus, As I watched, the Lamb broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll. Then I heard one of the four living beings say with a loud a voice like a thunder, Come. I looked up and saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. Can you put that picture up real quick, Brandon? I, I tried to pick out one of the cleanest pictures. <laughs> Some of these guys that were on these horses, they were pretty rough. They were pretty rough, okay? So I, I left the rider off because it was skull. I mean, it was crazy, okay? But I wanted you to see, and that's why I wore white today, okay? I mean, this just kind of works into my message today, okay? We see a white horse, a red horse, black horse, and then this horse is pale. Don't ever get on a pale horse, okay? That, that thing's not good, okay? But this white horse was released. His rider carried a bow and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. Now, according to Paul in 2 Thessalonians 2, talking about the Antichrist, and this is the spirit of Antichrist. Okay, he's got to first come and he begins to, it takes a while. These are spirits. It ain't going to be a horse out of the sky and everybody's going to look up and say, Woo, there comes a white horse, man. This must be bad. No, 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 it ain't going to be none of that. It's a spirit that's released. And this spirit is the Antichrist. And it's going to take him a little while to find that person or he may already have them till he actually gets in and then they begin to start moving forward with the rest of the seven-year tribulation. It's not going to just happen just like that. You got to realize there's a lot of panic, there's a lot of chaos going on. What's got to happen first? We got to have some peace. We got to calm everybody down, correct? We got to get everybody focused off of not what's missing, but hey man, we're okay, it's all right. And that's what the Antichrist is going to be doing. 
But check this out. That's why I say we're not here when the Antichrist is revealed. And I know many of y'all may be depressed and you think, oh man, I want to see him. Well, maybe you'll see him from the sky, okay? I don't care to see him. If I can get out on the first load, I'm cool with that. Amen? How about y'all? Amen? Let's go, okay? Let me sit down in the grandstands of heaven and I'll watch it all unfold down here. But it ain't going to be good, all right? But in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3, Paul says this, Don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. That's talking about Antichrist. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he is himself God. We'll get into that too in Revelations. Don't you remember, verse 5, that I told you about all this when I was with you and you know what is holding him back. Who is that? Antichrist. For he can, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Who's holding back the Antichrist? The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are holding him back because we stand for righteousness. We stand for what's right. When they try to uh, you know, pass laws that are you know, ungodly and not right, what does the church do? We go to praying. We go to standing up. We stop things, okay, in prayer. And as long as we're praying, it gives God license to move on the earth. But when the saints are removed, there's going to be more freedom for the spirits of evil, evil spirits to move. Y'all get that? Okay, they're going to be able to move a little, bit, a little bit more freely. They'll be able to get involved in people. And those people that are wanting to do bad things, that are wanting to pass laws contrary to the Bible, they won't have no resistance no more. It'll be game on. We'll be able to let it flow, okay? Evil will be called good. It'll be, just, it'll be, it'll be cool, okay? It goes on to say, Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of who? Satan. With counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So he can't be revealed until what is holding him back is removed, which is the Spirit of God within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, we're the hope of the world. I want you to know that. The church of Jesus is the hope of the world. You are the hope of the world around you. That's the weight on this right here. That's why we take serving Jesus for real and serious. Because there's more than just us involved. If the rapture took place and you know Jesus, you're going to go out of here. But you know what? You're going to have some people that ain't going to be left out. They ain't coming up. They're going to still be here. But I want this to be good news as we go through this today. I believe the greatest revival we've ever seen, we won't see it. The greatest revival is going to come when the church is lifted up and all those people that were playing church. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! We need to get on fire for God. Jesus. Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking about getting on Facebook and just having a video there for all the people that are left behind. Let them know. Say, hey, 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 don't quit. Don't quit. You still can get saved. Amen? You still can find Jesus. And I want that to be told of everybody in this room. To tell people, guys, proclaim it. When the rapture takes place, that's not the end. Because you have a God of love and mercy and grace. I mean, just think about it. What if God would have elected to say, okay, we're going to rapture the church and then boom, it's over. Then nobody would have had a shot. But God continues to pour His love out on people. He wants to give them time. He's going to be trying to get people to, to serve Him even in the midst of the, uh, the, the tribulation. 
Because you know and I know there's people that have rejected Jesus. They've rejected church. They've rejected coming to church. They've rejected it. I promise you when we leave, they won't reject it no more. I promise you they won't. You talk about preaching, you're going to see some preachers, baby. They're going to be turning it up. But anyway, okay, it does not say that the Holy Spirit is removed. Y'all do know that. The Holy Spirit ain't going to be removed. The Holy Spirit will be here during the tribulation. Multitudes will be saved during the tribulation. The Holy Spirit will be present in His ministry of bringing the elect of the tribulation believers as they live holy lives unto the Lord. The Holy Spirit will also function to seal and protect the 144,000 Jewish witnesses for the great evangelistic ministry as noted in Revelation 7 and 14 and the two witnesses in Revelation 11. So the Holy Spirit is going to be here doing work. The church is the only preserving influence in the world today. If it was not for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, even America would be down the tubes. Jesus said that we are the salt of the earth, and if the salt loses its flavor, then it is no good for nothing. We are the salt of the earth. The only reason this earth is being preserved right now is because of us, those that are following Jesus, those that have said yes to Jesus. That's why we don't need to live hypocritical lives. We need to live lives that are worthy of the Master, that our salt can be tasted where we go. They can taste of our salt, and they can know there's just something special about you. Man, I had some Jehovah Witnesses knock on my door yesterday. Man, I was just a preaching in my living room too, man. I, woo, man, I'm telling you, I'm having church in my living room, you know. When my wife leaves, I get crazy, okay. I'm preaching to everything, hallelujah. I get the whole world figured out in, in a few messages. I'm preaching, man. I'm tearing it up. And all of a sudden, ding dong, I'm thinking, oh my God, man, they heard me. I know they heard me. I'm tearing it up. And it was a sweet couple, man. They just, you know, hey, man, we got something to share. And it's kind of like they were standing back from the door, you know. We just got something to share with you. And they shared with me about, you know, the flood and Noah and how they, they wasn't ready when Noah did what he did, just like we have today. I said, man, wow, that's cool, man. I'm preaching about the book of Revelation. I'm kind of talking about all that right now. Ended up getting preaching to them. And they were like, wow, you know, we, we can see something's different about you, man. You can see something different. I'm thinking, you know what? That's what they should see. They should see something different about us. Man, I wish I'd have preached more to them. But if they knock on my door next time, I'm going to say, hey, look, y'all knocked on my door. Here we go. I'm listening to y'all. Y'all listen to me. Amen. Let's have some church up in here. Amen. Sweet couple, though, man. I'm telling you, man. Just, just the fact that they do what they do, you know, even though Jehovah Witness, and I've done studies on it, guys, it's not the way. It's not the way. And that's a whole other subject, maybe for another day. Hallelujah. Anyway, Christians are the salt of the earth all over the world, preserving it until the return of Jesus. That is why they hate us, because we are restraining them from all the evil they would love to be doing right now. Friend, I'm telling you, you don't want to be here when that train comes to town. You don't want to be here. Because you already see in our country, they're already trying to call evil good and good evil. Most of the world would love it if the Christians would be removed and the Bible would be burned because this is an old book it don't have much weight to it we need to change some things anyway that's what the world is wanting right now because they're being influenced by the devil when we're out of here they will sell our churches take our money left behind and proclaim that life is better without those christians around they will also say that the church was was responsible for all the wars now that we got those people out of here we can have peace on the earth and the antichrist is going to come in with peace and prosperity and the big program, and they will think this guy's it. He's coming in, guys, to bring about a system that's going to be so amazing, that it's going to be so accepted, and they're going to need it because there's a lot of turmoil going in, going on at that time. 
Okay, but there's going to be some that are going to be like, whoa, 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 this ain't right. My grandma told me this. Pastor Nathan said this. You know, Belinda, Lori, Dawn, Jake. You know, I remember them. They were talking to me at work one day about this Jesus thing. I, I might need to straighten up. Amen. They're going to hear it. They're going to hear it. Amen. And it's going to come back to them. And we're going to see some great things happen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This guy has saved the world is what they'll say. He will, he will be looked at as the Savior of the world. He goes forth conquering and to conquer, but all that changes, all that changes in a very short time. That's why this white horse is representative of Jesus coming back on a white horse. It's kind of like a counterfeit. He's released to go to the earth to conquer and to conquer. He's going to look like a Savior to the world. Like I told you before, guys, if we think that the devil is going to stick his ugly head up and go, Hey, I'm the Antichrist. Boo! Uh-uh. It's all going to be a, a selling system. It's, going to, it's, it's like a great salesman. You're going, to, you're going to be sold into believing that this is okay. The mark of the beast, which we'll cover too, that's all going to be done very smoothly. Very smoothly. It's not going to be something that's going to be scary. It's going to be cool. Hey, man, did you get the mark? Yeah, whoa, wow, that's good, I like it. It's going to be cool, but it ain't cool. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. He will be looked at as the Savior of the world. Man tells us that the world is getting better, but the Bible tells us that the world will become increasingly worse. Man says that peace among the nations is close at hand. And we hear this all the time. We want peace. We're working at having peace with these nations and all that. You ain't never going to have peace until the evil one's out of here. Okay? God says there will be wars and rumors of wars, kingdoms against kingdoms. Man expects to win the battle against disease, famine, hatred, anger, and hardships. God says there, there is to be fearful judgments of disease, famine, and hardships. You're not going to fix these problems. The only thing that can fix these problems is the Lord Jesus Christ removing everything that hinders love. As long as the enemy's here, I promise you, we're going to be dealing with these things. We're going to be dealing with riots and just, you know, just hatred. You're going to be dealing with all that. This final satanic dictator over men will be the most terrible of all men ever seen on earth. He will rule over men as a false messiah and lead man in organized rebellion against God. He is going to be released in full power of evil and deception. All that Satan has learned about man will be used against them during that seven years of tribulation. He will look and act like the Savior of the world, but his true colors will come forth as time goes on. He is a murderer, he's a thief, and he's a liar. There is no truth in him at all. It will come out. He can't hide who he is. It will come out. But friend, I'm telling you, as we approach these days and, and, and as these seals are opened up, you need to know that each seal opened up, like this, this seal right here of the Antichrist, the Spirit coming, this is just the start. The first three and a half years, the Bible calls, is going to be very prosperous, peaceful, okay? This is not something that's going to happen overnight. We're going to actually read through the book of Revelations and see what this Antichrist does, okay, over a period of seven years. The Revelations is a seven-year book. It's not a 700-year book. It's seven years, okay, and it's just a continuation all the way through the book. The second seal is the red horse. We got the red horse. When the lamb broke the second seal, I heard the second living being saying, Come. Then another ho horse appeared, a red one. Its rider was giving a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth, and there was wars and slaughter everywhere. So this horse, this spirit has come to do what? Take peace from the earth. This rider will take peace from the earth, then men will do the rest of the work. The, he will come 
to bring about wars this earth has not seen. There will be more bloodshed in this period of time than ever before. You think you've seen marches, riots, hatreds, injustice, murder. This will be on a scale that is horrific. Okay? It will eventually get to that. Again, the first three and a half years is going to be, hey, pie in the sky, woo, man, prosperity, peace. It's going to look like everything's going in the right direction. But again, he can't hide who he is. He is a murderer. He's a thief. He lies. He steals. Amen? But there will be more souls added to the kingdom of God than ever before. A revival like has never been seen. I promise you guys, the Holy Spirit will be moving. There'll be people getting saved. There'll be people that are standing up for Jesus. There'll be people that are getting killed and martyred for their faith. Because I'm telling you, the enemy is going to be running rampant in the land we see today. The third seal, the black horse. It says in Revelation 6, 5, When the Lamb broke the third seal, I heard the third living being saying, Come. I looked up and saw a black horse, and its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice from among the four living beings saying, A loaf of wheat, bread, or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay. That means a loaf of bread is going to cost a day's pay. I mean, guys, I mean, I make pretty good for a day, but if I had to spend that on one loaf of bread, I think I wouldn't. Okay, I'd be looking for some other, you know, shopping place. Where's Walmart? I know Walmart got two for a dollar or something, you know. Uh, and it says, and don't waste the olive oil and wine. This rider of the black horse will bring lack of food into the earth, meaning that food prices will skyrocket. The spirit of this horse, I believe the spirit, this spirit that's released on this black horse is the spirit of the mark of the beast because it's dealing with food. It's dealing with water. It's dealing with the necessities. And we know the mark is going to be something we're going to have to buy and sell and, and stuff like that. But it said, The spirit of this horse will touch the food industry and cause it to have less so that they, they will charge the people more. The bottom line is that the rich will get richer and the poor will get poor. It doesn't take much, even today, to see stores have empty shelves. The mention of snow in Georgia. Come on, talk to me. Milk, bread, and everything else. We go through there with a bulldozer. Oh, man, come on, man. Snow's coming. Woo! Hey, man, it's crazy, okay? Chaos. You'll see empty shells, man. Within, within hours, okay? People go crazy. When there's a flood or tragedy in parts of the earth, you will see people just ridding stores. This is a picture of Satan beginning to control the food source in the world, making way for the Savior, okay, small s, Antichrist, to show up and save the world with the mark of the beast. Glad I'm gone. How about you? Hallelujah. I'm glad I ain't in here. Hallelujah. The fourth seal is the pale, ho pale horse. Revelation 6 says this, When the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being saying, Come. I looked up and saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death, and his companion was the grave. These two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with a sword and famine and disease and wild animals. One-fourth of the earth. We got about, what, 8 billion people on the planet right now, close to that? I would say maybe a billion or two, maybe lifted up in the rapture. So we're still looking at probably over a billion people are going to be dead in one, one setting. Unlike we've ever, you, you put all the wars together and you're never going to get close to that. A billion is a lot of people. This is going to happen. But again, like I said, these seven seals that are being opened are really just releasing something that will be unveiled through the whole book of Revelations. This is not going to happen immediately when this horse comes down and then we're going to see a fourth of the earth completely dead. No. 
It's over a seven-year period. Remember, there has to be a time of gathering everybody together and calming everybody down, okay, and letting them know, hey, look, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. We've got this. There's going to be a season of peace. That's what the Antichrist is doing. That's what's going to thrust him to the forefront is he's going to be proclaiming, hey, guys, if y'all will do what I tell you to do, okay, if y'all will do what I tell you to do, we'll have on the earth. That's why when you're in a country that you're completely dependent on the government, that is, my friend, the system of the Antichrist. Let me say that again. Any country that is dependent upon their government for food, shelter, insurance, or anything, you're in the Antichrist system because that's what's going to happen. He's going to have a one-world government system, an economic system, a religious system, and you're all going to have to be a part of that system. That's what it's all pointing to, okay? So even when you see in America as we're kind of easing towards those type of laws and stuff to bring all of us under that, that government-run type stuff, just know, okay, the end is near. <laughs> okay? It is. And that's what the Antichrist is looking for. Okay? And that's why you already see the effects of all of it coming to pass right now. You're seeing parts of it come together. I mean, even the chip that's going to be implanted in people is already being worked on right now. They're already testing it in China and other places. So it's not far away from us. There will be a tremendous death toll from this dictator. War, famine, and other calamities. Our century, our century has seen hundreds of millions killed by dictators, wars, and famines, yet this will pale in comparison to the death toll that comes in the wake of this ultimate dictator. No wonder Jesus could say in Matthew 24, 21, For then... There will be great tribulation, such as not been seen since the beginning of the world unto this time, nor ever shall be. You know, Matthew 24 is a great picture of the tribulation. And there was portions of that tribulation, I mean, of that chapter that I would read, and I would be like, really? How's that going to work out? You know, he's talking about how, you know, in those days of the great tribulation, there'll be, uh, you know, uh, women that are, that are pregnant and they're, they're giving suck, meaning they're, they're feeding their babies. Woe unto them. It's going to be tough for them in that day because they're going to be trying to flee away from this dictator, the Antichrist. And I always was kind of like, what does that mean? What it means is, is he's given us an insight to what's going on about midway through the tribulation when the Antichrist shows up in the temple mount in Israel and goes, hey, I'm God then everybody in that area is going to be like, what? They're going to be fleeing. We see that in the book of Acts. When Paul was had the murder threats and Paul was going to arrest the Christians and he was going to kill the Christians, what did they do? They fled. Okay, that's a picture. They're going to be fleeing Israel once this joker stands up and says, I'm God. They're going to know we got a problem then. They may have not believed in Jesus as the Messiah, but they know that can ain't God. So we run. We out of here. And you got mama... <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. I mean, she's going to be trying to go. We're going to have a baby. Uh, come on, baby, come on, come on. Come on. And you're going to have these people chasing them down. Just like they were trying to chase down the early church in the book of Acts. It's going to be chaotic, guys. That's why you want to live with Jesus right now. But even in the midst of all that, guys, Jesus is still going to be saving millions. And we'll get ready to see that. In the fifth seal, the cry of the martyrs, Revelation 6, 9 and 11. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the Word of God. 
and for being faithful in their testimony. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they have done to us? Then a white robe <coughs> was given to each of them, and they were told to rest a little while longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus, would, who were to be martyred, had joined them. The fifth seal brings forth the cry of the martyrs. <coughs> Things are going bad on the earth, guys. The bow of the horse... Let me give you some drink. Mm. Hallelujah. The bow of the horsemen... <coughs> you ever get something in your throat? Y'all know how to pull it out? Does anybody in here know how to pull it out? <coughs> Hallelujah. Things are going by. The bow of the horsemen of this white horse is broken. Blood flows, famine flows, disease and sickness run rampant. So who does the world blame? They will blame the believers that come to Christ during the tribulation. That is when you will see Christians being killed with little to no restraint because the church has been removed from the earth. They will see that by removing these Christians that things will get better, but they will not. It will only get worse. This right here, again, is happening through the seven-year tribulation. That Christians that get saved and stand up, they're going to be martyred for their faith. I mean, whole congregations will be martyred. Even in your country you live in today, in America, those that find faith in Christ and gather together, they will be hunted down and killed by the, the regime of the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, to remove that out of here. This is talking about those that are crying at the throne room of God. They've come out of the tribulation. Okay? They are out of the tribulation because of their death. This is not talking about the church. This is talking about a whole other group of people that gives their life to Jesus and they lose their life for their faith. Friend, again, it's going to be a revival like we've never seen, but the cost of you saying yes to Jesus is going to be a lot more than the uncomfortableness of getting up and having to leave your house and come to church. They're not going to have the luxuries we have. That's why it's so important that you choose now to be on fire for God. Okay? Because these guys are really going to be showing us up. Let's show the world Jesus now. Amen? Because I can promise you, man, they will be showing them then, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a sad day for them. Hallelujah. But a good day because you're going to be with Jesus. The sixth seal. Revelation 6, 12 says, I watched as the Lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun became as dark as black cloth, and the moon became as red as the blood. You know, I want to say something about the martyrs real quick, too. And the reason I believe that this right here is so powerful is these guys, I believe, um, didn't take the mark. Okay? So that was a good portion of them died because they wouldn't take the mark. And... I believe he, Jesus, really takes time to honor them because of what they, they died for on the earth. And we'll read that in just a minute. But, the, but, but in Revelation 6, 12 again, I watched as the Lamb broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. Now, when he says great earthquake, my friend, we, you ain't never seen an earthquake like this, okay? This is going to be a great earthquake. Then the sun became as dark as black cloth. The moon became as red as blood. Then the stars of the sky fell to the earth like green figs falling from a tree shaken by a strong wind. The sky was rolled up like a scroll and all the mountains and islands were moved from their places. 
Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and free person all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cry to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to survive? The sixth seal brings cosmic disruptions, guys. We're going to see the atmosphere beginning to shake. We're going to see stars coming out of nowhere, okay? And they're going to be hitting the earth. In the Bible, celestial disturbances are frequently associated with the return of the Messiah. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Matthew, Ezekiel, Joel, we see all this, okay? Example is the sun and the moon grew dark and stars diminished their brightness. For the day of the Lord is great and terrible. Who can endure it? That's Joel 2, 10, 11. You see this all through the Bible. But notice this is called the great day of His wrath, the wrath of the Lamb. It is comforting to note in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 that God has not appointed us to wrath. Paul also declares that in Romans 5, 9 that we have not been appointed unto wrath. The day of His wrath has come, which means we cannot be here because we have not been appointed unto wrath. But the earth is going to experience these great cataclysmic judgments as the day of God's wrath does come upon the earth. How do the seals fit in? There has been much debate about these matters, but it seems that the seals, trumpets, and bowls are not strictly sequ sequential events. Chronologically, the trumpets do not follow the seals and the bowls do not follow the trumpets. The first six seals are a summary of the judgments dis distributed over the whole book. A brief summary of what will occur in the day of the Lord up to His time or to the time of His actual unveiling in chapter 19. In that span it begins with the revealing of the Antichrist, the first seal, and it concludes with the revealing of the face of Him who sits on the throne, the seventh seal. Chapter 6 concludes with the statement, For the great day of His wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? So in chapter 6 we see that these six seals have been opened that will actually show us or give us what's going to happen. It sets forth the motion of the whole book of Revelations as we move forward. But one statement that's made, who shall be able to stand? That's a question. Who's going to be able to stand in this day? Well, in chapter 7, it tells us. We will see that. In chapter 7, hallelujah, it talks about <clears throat> verse 1, Then I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds, so they did not blow on the earth or the sea or even any tree. And I saw another angel coming up from the east, carrying the seal of the living God. And he shouted to those four angels who had been given power to harm the land and sea. See, he's talking to these four horses right now. This, this angel of God comes up and says, whoa, 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 you stop right there. You stop in your tracks, okay? You're not going to do anything until I get done sealing some special people. I think that's so cool. Even in the, even in the tribulation, God's going to be like, you stop, Okay? But he goes on, he says, Wait, don't harm the land or the seas or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of His servants. The 144,000 are holding back judgment until the servants of God is sealed. Okay? Through, though the 144,000 are sealed for a specific and unique purpose, the general idea of being sealed is not limited to them. Jesus was sealed. He said, God the Father has set His seal on Him. John 6, 27 says this, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set His seal on Him. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit as a down payment to our eternal redemption. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 says this, 
Now he has, he who established us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God, okay, is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So just like these 144,000 are sealed, okay, to do a work for God in that work and that tribulation, you and I are sealed by the Holy Spirit right now to do a work for God. God don't quit working. His mind is always souls. He's always wanting to get people to Him, guys. And that's what we've got to do. Through the book of Revelation, capture the heart of God. The reason why these judgments are spread out is because He loves humanity. Again, if He wanted to end it all, He could have ended it all with a breath of His mouth. And it could have been done. But because God loves humanity so much, He spread this out in hopes that people will wake up. He's hoping that people will see the light. But as we go through here, it's recorded that they're not. A lot of them are not. They're going to stick their finger and point to God and just blame Him and curse Him. But there's going to be a lot of them that get saved. And I'm telling you guys, again, like I said, when we're lifted out of here, the focus goes from the Gentiles to the Jewish nation because they've been rebelling against God for 2,000 years. The only reason me and you have got to hear the gospel is because they rebelled against God and killed the Savior of the world. That opened us up to be able to hear the gospel because they didn't believe it. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So they, Paul brought it to us and we said, Rock on! We'll take some Jesus. Hallelujah! Give it to us. And from that time till now, the Gentile church, which is all of us that are not Jews, have really said, hey, we want Jesus. But there's coming a turn. We're going to be turning the page very soon. And that's in the book of Revelations where God takes and turns His focus to them. And these guys that are sealed, guys, these are Jewish men that are sealed with the seal of God. That means they're protected, just like we're protected. If we walk with Jesus, we talk with Jesus, and we do what Jesus tells us to do, how many of you know there's no devil in hell that can take you out? It's when we get out away from that seal and we begin to do our own thing and things don't go right. That's why it just baffles me how the church can talk bad about people. The church can talk bad about political leaders. Just like if I say the, num the name President Donald Trump, there's going to be many people, as I say that, you're going to have emotions run through you. Either emotions of, wow, emotions of, ugh, emotions of, it's okay. If I say President Obama, Many of you guys have emotions run through you. Some will be like, woohoo. Some will be like, huh? huh. The point I'm trying to make is, guys, what are you going to do when you get to heaven? And you look over there, and President Trump comes walking around the corner in heaven. Hmm. Didn't know he was going to be here. I'm out of here. I'm going over here. What you going to do when you go to heaven and Barack Obama just comes walking around the corner? Hey, Nathan, how you doing? I can tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to grab him and say, wow, how you doing, brother? But you know how we react on earth. I mean, we get on social media and we bash people and think nothing about it. They could be walking next to you in heaven in a few days. And what are you going to do? Oh, no. Oh, man, didn't know that. Oh, man, I don't know about this now. I didn't, I, that, that caught me off guard. Friend, we've got to display love for all humanity. We got, we're called to speak well of everybody. Uh, Newsflash, we don't talk bad about people. 
Jesus had the opportunity to talk about a regime, a regime, a regime, zine, 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 in the Roman Empire. They were some of the most cruelest people of the day. Caesar, Herodias, or Herod, all them. They were terrible people that did awful things to people. Jesus didn't say nothing bad about them. Are we t- I'm just telling you this, guys, because in a few days you're going to be standing in heaven. And some of the ones you talk bad about could be standing with you. Because again, when the rapture takes place, God ain't done. So the people that ain't serving Him now, they could change their mind, could they not? And they could be with you forever. And woe unto you and me. If our tongue was used of the enemy to talk bad about anybody. I'm talking about your co-workers, your family, anybody. God forbid we do that. I'm telling you, man. Let our tongue be a tongue that blesses, not curses. I mean, Jesus spoke really bold when it came to loving your enemies, doing good to those that do you harm. That's in red letters from the Master, the one you say you serve. And then when we get a chance to do that verse, we go, oh, oh man, that's, whew, I don't know about that. Hallelujah. I'm going to have to let him give, I'm give him a piece of my mind. Yeah, well, if you do, that's, you, you, that, you're, and then what gets me is, is we talk, we talk this way and we act this way, and then when things don't go right in our life, we go, hey, God, I, I need you to move in my life. Uh, would you help me, Lord? Would you do something for me? But yet you've been acting like the devil. And then you're going to go to God and ask Him to do something for you. You need to be at the altar asking God to forgive you. You need to clean up your life. Clean up your tongue. Don't talk like the world. Don't live like the world. Don't act like the world. We are not of this world, people. We're of another kingdom. The kingdom of our great God. That means we love, we help, we serve. We don't agree with everything going on. But how many things is hatred fixed? How many things is rioting fixed? How many things is posting bad things fixed? None. None. Amen. Blinda, you might want to come up here and finish the rest of this. There's a, the different spirits came on me. Hallelujah. And we got to close. Hallelujah. I mean, people matter, man. Don't we care? Don't we care about people? I mean, is it really fun for you to rip people apart? Is that really fun? When Jesus died for them? Come on, people. Let the church be the church. Let's stand out. Let's don't blend in. Sometimes you need to keep your opinion to yourself. And just don't share it. How about taking the time it took for you to type your opinion? To pray. What in the world? A concept. Revelation from God. We actually pray for somebody. And I I mean it, guys. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to stand before God and God looked at me and said, Hey, man, why didn't you share with them? Why didn't you talk about these things? This guy right here, it may just be me and my wife in here and a couple chairs. (laughs) But I'm preaching the truth. I'm going to preach the Bible, whether you like it or not. I'm going to tell you what you need to do, okay? I'm not going to pat you on the back. And if that means I'm all by myself, well, praise the Lord. I'll have church all by myself. 
But I am not going to get in the pig's mess with you and not help you find the promised land. And I'm not going to tell you it's okay. Okay? I'm not patting you on the back when you're sinning. Come to the wrong dude. You know why? I sow what I want to reap. And I don't want no joker patting me on the back saying, Nate, it's okay, brother. You're doing all right. And I'm going to hell and I'm lost and sinning. No, if I'm talking about somebody, I want Catherine to come up to me and say, Nathan, whoa, whoa, time out, brother. You come here. Your tongue's being used by the devil. You need to straighten that up, Nathan. Come on, man. We've got to let them see the love of God. I want people to look at me in the face and tell me like it is. Amen. You better have your ducks in a row. You come talking to me. But I'm telling you, I, I, I love being corrected. I don't like how it feels, though. You know what I'm saying? But correction lets me know some people care about me. Amen. And correction always helps us. Well, with that being said, we have left off in Revelation chapter 7 with the 144,000 um, and them being sealed. So what we'll do is uh, we'll pick up on the 144,000. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, because one thing you'll note, too, about the book of Revelations it seems like when we get done with anything with the number six, like the sixth seal, the sixth trumpet, the sixth bowl of wrath, he goes into a, a different narrative. It's like he takes time before he gets to number seven and he explains some things to us. This is what he's doing right now. He's held these guys back so you ain't doing nothing on this earth until I get these guys anointed and sealed. Because these guys right here are going to do something that I need to be done. Okay? They're going to help minister to all those people in Israel that are running to the caves and the hills and the pregnant mama, you know what I'm saying? The ones like this. There's going to be a preacher that's going to be sealed, that's going to be able to explain to them Jesus Christ, and the nation of Israel is going to be saved. Amen? The people already here that are left behind, you already heard Jesus. It's just going to take you going, Woo! Uh-oh. They gone. I better get right. <laughs> yeah, you better. Hallelujah. But just know that if you are left, there's hope for you. Amen? Don't give up. Run to God. So if for some reason, whatever happens, okay, and you're here, there's hope for you. Amen? There's hope for your loved ones. Don't be sad. I'm telling you, there's going to be more loved ones that come to Christ after we leave. Because what's hindering them from believing is you. Wow, I just got to... Mm. We get, the world, our family's got to see the real Jesus. Don't be telling your family what they need to do. Don't be preaching to your family. Love your family. Because I promise you this, if I had you come up here and I asked you, how's your preaching to your family working out? Most of y'all are going to say, not good. Not good at all. Matter of fact, we used to eat dinner together, now we go separate ways. Your preaching to your family ain't never going to work. You're praying for your family to send them a preacher, whether it's pre-trib or after-trib, whatever it takes. Get them saved. Amen. We want them in heaven. Hallelujah. But for now, we've got very little time left. Very little, okay? Very little. It's time for us to put the gas pedal to the ground as individuals and as a church. That's why we're starting a barn fund. I want to build this barn with the help of God, okay? In the middle of the devil's face, okay? In the middle of every evil spirit in Henry County. Because we're going to bring the Word of God, the love of God in a way, okay, that's only like what we're called to do. I'm not putting anybody else down, but I, listen, our church is doing so good that I'm getting ready to be able to start getting a paycheck. Yep. Hallelujah. This has been a day I've been praying for. And my prayer was that I would be able to take one day a week off. Start with that one day. Well, guess what? That day's upon us. 
All I need is to get in with these preachers. I just want to get in with them. I want to get into it. I want to get with them and shake them and love them and stir them and, and, and give them a little holy slap. Hallelujah. Because I'm telling you, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not called to compromise. We're called to stand out, preach the truth no matter what goes on. Amen? I'm telling you. And I just want access. And, and you guys, you guys are making it possible for me to be able to do that. And I appreciate that. I'm telling you, man, I can't wait to get involved and have lunch with some of these guys and preach holiness and love and mercy and tell them, say, look, man, we need to see signs, wonders, and miracles. Let's get together. I'm telling you, God is going to put me in strategic place. Me and her both, amen? amen? But it's because of your giving that I'm able to do this. Keep giving. But I'm going to tell you, once I go full-time, it's on like Donkey Kong, Brandon. It's on like Donkey Kong, amen? Do you even know what Donkey Kong? Did you play Donkey Kong? That's an old game, man. Way back. <laughs> bing, 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 bing. Go day ball. Oh, man. Hallelujah. But God's good, guys. God's good. Amen. Uh, I'm not taking a salary now. I'm not taking no money now. But our accountant got with us and said, man, the church is doing so good. It's time, Nathan, for you to start getting a pay. And I'm going to tell you, I've been really, the Lord's been dealing with me for, for a long time. And even some of the members have come to me uh, with, with concerns because the Bible talks that we should be doing that. It should be going on. It's a biblical thing to do it. It's not because I need the money. It's a biblical thing. And, and I think I've disobeyed. I ask you to forgive me. I've disobeyed and I've refused to take any money um, because, you know, it just sounds better to say, hey, man, I'm a preacher and I ain't taking a dime of the church. You know what I'm saying? But I think it's holding back some blessings that God wants to pour out because we're not doing it His way. He has a structure. Amen? So uh, <clears throat> we'll be doing that uh, again, not by my say, but our accountant and really our trustee, John Reed, that works for uh, Heritage Ministry Solutions, he's kind of like our acting trustee. So we'll be visiting that in the weeks to come. But I just want to let you know, I'm telling you, God's moving in this church. Okay? And I'm not the only one that's going to be hired. It's coming. We're going to be hiring a team. Okay? It's coming. All right? God finances what He builds. And I'm telling you, you look around and the finances and how this church is going, it's not built because of me. There's a lot of good preachers y'all help stay home listen to. Amen. It ain't because of me. Amen. But I tell you this, it's because of Jesus. Amen. And I just think we just need to continue to pull together. Well, thank you guys for your time. Hallelujah. Let's just stand. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's end it with some prayer. Hallelujah. You know, as we do close today, guys. <clears throat> Hallelujah. If you're in this room, okay, and we can leave all the lights on. This is good. You can leave them all on. I like this. It's cool. I get to see everybody. Hallelujah. You know, if you're here today and you say, you know, Nathan, I've never accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Never. I've never done it. Today's the day for you. I want to extend an invitation to you and say that everybody in this room that has Jesus at one time or another, they had to say yes and they had to except Jesus as the Lord and Savior. So it's a great thing. It's really the only thing in the Bible that we have record of that the angels in heaven get excited and rejoice and have a party over is when somebody gets saved or somebody comes back to Jesus. So if you're here today and you say, Nathan, I have never accepted Jesus, and you want to make that declaration today and you want to accept Him as your Lord and Savior, just raise your hand. Just put it up and put it down. Hallelujah. We're not going to call you out and embarrass you like I did last week. I'm not going to do it this week, okay? Hallelujah. I never want to embarrass anybody. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, Nathan, at one time I'll walk with Jesus. I love everybody being able to see me. Hallelujah. That's, that's good. But at one time you walk with Jesus. 
But you know, as you're listening to the word and you're listening to the message, you're hearing the urgency of the hour. Maybe you say, Nathan, I have not been serving him. I've been serving me. I've been going my own way. And you just want to pray and you want us to pray with you that you can reestablish that relationship. Just raise your hand. Just put it up and put it down. We'll see that. Hallelujah. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Hallelujah. You just want to, to reaffirm your faith. That's all you're wanting to do. You know Christ. You've just kind of drifted a little bit. Amen? So we're just going to pray. and We're going to just ask God to forgive us, restore us, and grace us to walk out this. Amen? And some of you guys, there were several young people that had raised their hand. You guys are facing decisions. You're facing things. You know, going to college. You're going to jobs. You're doing things. Guys, this is the time to walk for Jesus. But it's also a time to say yes to Him. So I applaud each and every one of you guys for lifting up your hand. So let's all as a church, guys, let's pray for them. And those that raise their hand, I want you just to lift up your hands. And we're all going to pray this together. Nobody prays alone. We all pray and stand together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Lord and my Savior right now. I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior. I give you my life today in the name of Jesus. I will serve you all the days of my life. Now, Jesus, I ask you to give me grace, to give me mercy, to be able to walk after you and for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Could you put your hands together for those? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Several people, several people coming back to faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, that's something we rejoice. And I'm telling you, it already started working in you guys before you lifted your hand. God was already dealing with you, okay? Sometimes we just confess, okay, so our ears can hear what's going on on the inside. Amen? Because our outside needs to hear it too. Now, we do have baptism here at our church. Obviously, you see our hot tub up here. And we do baptisms. Maybe you're here today, and you know what? You've never, ever been baptized. I want you to highly consider it. And if it's something you would like to do, and you would like to be baptized, we have a card, you know, a connect card back here. Just write down on that. You would like to be baptized. Put the information down. Drop it in the offering box back there. And we would love to be able to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all the angels in heaven, everybody, hallelujah. Because baptism is just an expression of what happened inside and you're doing it outside. Amen. We love you guys so much.